0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Stop trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater and let Jose Barrero figure this out. There's still time and it could mean big things for the Reds if he does.
0: You are locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion For the Cincinnati Reds and we have taken our love of the game our passion for baseball and we have turned that passion into information for you on today's podcast we are going to dig into Jose Barrero's performance so far in spring training Uh, also the television voice of the Reds John Sadak joins us from Arizona to share his thoughts not only on Barrero but on a variety of players trying to fight their way on to the Reds 26 man active roster and then after all that jeff is going to tell us about a stat that we can use to maybe finally figure out some defense as he digs into outs above replacement Uh, but before we get into all of that stuff we need to talk about jose barrero because uh, we've mentioned several times on uh, the year jeff that jose barrero is under a microscope And every time he does something just a little bad or doesn't have a good day, swing and a miss, he strikes out, you know, he doesn't get on base. Everybody's like, there it is. See, we're done. We're done with him. He needs to go. We need to start somebody else. Get him out of there. But quietly, Jose Barrero has began to show signs of figuring it out. Uh, And that only means good things for the Reds.
1: Yeah. And for everyone that wants to, you know, absolutely cut him as soon as he strikes out, what happens when he hits a triple, like what he did last night? I mean, that was pretty impressive to see there against the Rockies. He had a single and a triple last night in that game. And the changes, we talked about this in the off season, the changes that he instituted, thanks to hitting coach Joel McKeithen and the work that he put in before he went uh, to play in some winter leagues and stuff like that, I really think they're starting to pay off. And it's something that even Joey Votto acknowledged whenever he made his big changes to his swing. They don't change everything overnight. You don't just start hitting 500 the next day because you stood up a little bit taller in the box or you lowered your hands a little bit or you created a toe tap in your, in your setup setup like Jose Barrero has it's things that take a little bit of time. And I think that while he doesn't have ample time, Jose Barrero is probably at least going to get the first month of the season to prove
2: once and for all, if he is the guy, well, You're probably right. He is going to get a little bit of time, I think, um, unless some of the things that we're seeing from the other prospects in Arizona continue all the way to the end of spring training. Then things could could get interesting. But right now, after that single and triple that you talked about, Jose Barrero is currently hitting 333 on the spring. Now it's early. That's not a huge sample size, but it's moving in the right direction. And Jose right. Barrero has showed us before that he does have some hitting talent. Uh, he had 200 at-bats in 2021 in A. Jeff. Uh, slash line of 306, 392, 594 with 13 home runs. He can do it.
1: And that was back in 2021 specifically. I know that he struggled – Last year in AAA, and this was after the ham eight bone injury. So I kind of throw that one out a little bit. We talked about how much injuries derailed Jonathan India's season last year. Then it's not fair for us to look at Jose Barrero and say, Well, we know what we know about him. He's bad. They do broke a bone in his hand. So I, I look at that and I say, All right, he's healthy now. He's showing us that with his health and with his new approach to the plate, there might be something there. And when we say, that there might be something there. He was a good hitter coming up through the system and shout out to friend of the podcast crazy. He, he said a straight there. I, he answered the question about, you know, if you would compare where Jose Barrero would rank in today's reds farm system, he mentioned that back whenever Jose Barrero was the number one prospect in the red system, he was a top 30 prospect in baseball. So there was some merit to his game, even coming up through the farm system. Then, regardless of how shallow the red system as a whole was at the time, but still the the talent is there. He's just not done it yet at the major league level. And because he hasn't done it yet, doesn't mean he officially will not do it this year and should not get a chance at all.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that they're still in a position where guys aren't going to be quite ready to just take that spot. So if it's a choice between giving Jose Barrero a month to figure it out at the big league level, or just starting Kevin Newman every day.
0: Oh, I'd with rather this have team
2: <laughs> in the situation that he is in. I would roll with Barrero and just yeah. see what he can get done over the course of a month, because then if he figures it out, well, obviously you've got a great problem on your hands and you have to start figuring out where to play all these guys. And I hope that that's where the reds end up. I hope they end up with just too many great players for too few spots and have to, to get creative and juggling guys. Uh, I still say that some of the way that Jose Barrero was handled, And this is not a knock on the Reds. This is more a commentary on what was going on in baseball when Jose Barrero arrived on the scene. We were coming into the COVID year, and the Reds had a limited number of guys they could put out at Prasco to be available to come to the big leagues. And Jose Barrero ends up coming to the big leagues having only played at high A ball. Uh, I, I think that, that that was a bit of a disservice to him. And I know sometimes guys can figure that out, but I really think that was the first misstep in the development of Jose Barrero and things kind of snowballed from there. He goes back to the minor leagues, as you say with the 2021 stats uh, and had a nice slash in triple a, uh, but still hasn't quite been able to just put it together at the big league level. And I think now's this time, this is the time as uh, a make or break, and really, it's it's unfortunate it comes down to a month. But this is a make-or-break month coming up for Jose Barrero and the Cincinnati Reds.
1: And, and I do kind of put a little bit of fault. I'll push back just a smidge because I feel like the Reds put themselves in a position to have to rely on Jose Barrero in 2020 because who was the guy who was getting the most playing time at shortstop in 2020? Do you remember? I don't remember. There's a reason Whether. you don't remember. It's Freddie Galvis. Like... Freddie Galvis,
2: right? Freddie forgot about
1: him. Very obvious. He was not the guy, but for some reason, the Reds were like, uh, no, I mean, he could be, he could probably be the guy, you know? And so they put themselves behind the eight ball with that decision. So yes, there's a little bit of fault that the Reds definitely shoulder there, but I, I I'm very intrigued as to what could happen to this entire roster and what could happen to the red system as a whole. If Jose Barrero does figure this out and make no mistake about it, figuring it out, he's going to have to have some good stats. Like we're not going to be sitting here watching him hitting 230 in the month of April and be like, you know, he's looking pretty good. Like it's gotta, it's gotta be, you know, 260, 270 decent slugging percentage because that is what his hitting profile was coming through the minor leagues. It wasn't that he was a light hitter who had a lot of speed so that he was a good all-around hitter that had some power and we just haven't seen any power for the few hits that he does have in his major league career so there's lots that needs to happen there but man it could be so huge if the signs that we're starting to see right now of his his swing change like making him a better player this could be so huge if he actually proves it in the
2: short time that he has to prove it Absolutely. Well, Jose, Jose Barrero isn't out of time yet, Jeff. And uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with the television voice of the Reds, John Sadak, uh, and he's going to explain about Jose Barrero and a whole lot more coming up next.
1: But first, before we jump into that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Creating job posts on LinkedIn is as easy as trying to figure out if I'm going to take the over. Spoiler alert, probably going to do that. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And before Steve and John start talking about Jose Barrero and a couple of other exciting players in camp right now, I wanted to let you know that coming up tomorrow, John Sadak continues his conversation looking at the outfield and how it remains a work in progress, but he has a couple of key players to watch out for as we head into opening day. All right,
2: let's jump into Steve's conversation with John Sadak. Talking about Jose Barrero. I feel like right now we've reached a point where everybody is just so laser focused on his potential failures. Every time he makes an out, every time he swings and misses, you know, there's this reaction of, "Oh, ah, well, same old guy, same old guy. You watched him every day last year. You're watching him now. Is he the same old guy?
0: Uh, I think that's still to be determined, but I'm encouraged by, um, you know, the, the two pitches that he hit in the first game on the weekend. They were not very good pitches, so it's hard to totally judge it. But a breaking ball that did hang, he doubled and knocked in a run. And a a pitch that sat a little flat, middle-middle, he smoked up the middle. Um, Is he going to do that against better, more in-season big league pitching? I don't know. Uh, But I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far. And I know that he's putting in the work. I know that he recognizes what he has to do. And, you know, that that old cliche of iron sharpens iron – I think with him is probably the greatest truism that we have, you know, point blank. He's got more competition breathing down his neck. There are other young guys, younger guys that are in this camp that are playing well, that are going to be challenging him. Uh, so if he can achieve um, yeah, even a modest amount of contact at the start and at least get into that sense of rhythm to begin the year, uh, you know, he showed his defensive prowess again. He had made that awesome backhand play deep in the hole uh, that, you know, from his backside is able to get the flip short way to second base. Um, but it's, it's so few at bats. I, I can't really tell yet, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen in the limited at bats so far.
2: So you talk about the guys that are breathing down his neck. And of course, uh, one of those uh, players is, Ellie de la Cruz, who uh, it's been a while since there's been this much excitement and and hype surrounding a, a prospect that basically came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, a few years back, he wasn't really on anybody's radar. And and here we are. Uh, he has seemed to take a couple weeks at each new level to adjust and then absolutely destroy the place. Uh, he got off a little slow start there in spring training, just in the first few games he got into, nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And then we saw him let loose this week. Uh, I'm hoping it's that same pattern that he was taking a little bit of time to adjust to this new environment. And he's about to just go off. Uh, if that is the case, if he really demonstrates that that he can handle uh, now, I think everybody has been speculating that we'll see him in Cincinnati at some point in time this year. How do you how do you see that working uh, with guys like Jose Barrero who want to be a shortstop? They signed Kevin Newman who is a shortstop. They've got Matt McClain who is a shortstop. They've got uh, Noelvi Marte who they seem to have made the decision to move off of shortstop and put at third base. And and you've got Spencer Steer that can play there or pretty much anywhere else. So how, how do you handle Ellie? I, I'm I'm assuming in my mind, they don't bring him up until he can start somewhere and play every day.
0: I would think that's probably true. Yes. And I, I think the truism that I've heard from most scouts and executives, um, not just with the Reds, but with the other teams I've been with or those I've talked to over the years, is that usually the number is roughly, they say 100 at bats. I think these days it's more about 200 plate appearances of demonstrating you can handle a level before you, you graduate and get promoted from that level. Um, and the numbers before you reach that plateau are somewhat meaningless um you could still read something into a little bit of it uh, but they don't carry real heft until you reach that plateau and with ellie his skills are numerous and significant um, but the obvious significant concern which is more than fair is he he hasn't faced the highest level with the more advanced just style of pitching and savvy um, and the better secondary stuff. Uh, And he's been a high average, but a high strikeout low walk guy. Um, I kind of think that might be what he is, at least at the beginning of his career. And that's okay. If if you can hit for a reasonable average with power and speed, and I can live with strikeouts, and you don't have to walk a ton because you're being productive in other ways. Um, But my best guess, and it's entirely that at this point, I would be surprised if he were on the team at of spring. If he is, then he's earned it. He's played so well and he's hit so well that he's left no doubt. He has to be on the team. Uh, but I think he could learn, learn and gain from being at AAA to begin the year. And I think he'll see some things there that he hasn't seen before on a more extended, regular basis that'll make him a better player and make him more prepared for when he does get to the big leagues. And and I would agree. I would expect to see him at some point this year, barring injury or some totally unforeseen you know hole that gets exposed. Um, I, I would think he'd be up at some point. When that is, who comes up when? I, I really think they're going to try to make the best decision to win. Like, whoever is going to help them win, I do believe they're going to have there. Uh, But if there are significant flaws or holes that they want to see, you know, closed out or worked on in some way, they're going to try to achieve that first.
2: Do you look at him as being... You know, we talked about this with Jose Barrero uh, a while back. Is is he the heir apparent at shortstop? Can you see a scenario where they would move him to another position, depending on what Barrero and Newman are doing this season? Or how would, how would you see that working defensively? Would those guys move or would Ellie move? Um,
0: I haven't seen Ellie play short enough to give you a fair answer. I can tell you that the scouts I talked to are divided. Um, Half of them say, yes, he's definitely a shortstop. He should stay at shortstop forever. And the other half say, is that so good? I don't know if he is or isn't, but he's going to play somewhere. He's super athletic, and he'll make an impact defensively, even if it's at a different position. Um, Yeah, obviously, at his size, that's part of the concern. Uh, Big, big guys like that historically don't stick at shortstop for an extended span of time. I think he's different. I mean, I really believe he is that athletic, and I know that he is told the Reds folks that whenever it comes up that he believes he is a shortstop he wants to be a shortstop he takes pride in being a shortstop and I love that I think that's great um but what will ultimately wind up happening that's a that's a good question I, I don't think anybody knows I I think uh the natural sense of competition and player performance is going to help determine that um And I I do think if he can perform at the levels that we expect and believe him to achieve, he will have the most impact as an everyday shortstop. That's where he's going to help you the most. But wherever he helps you, I I would take it. He's an electric player who is just absolutely, sensationally thrilling to watch. Uh, There's an entertainment value that I think matches his impact in terms of winning.
1: There is one stat we use to talk about defensive performances and coming up, we're going to tell you what that is and why that is. First one to let you know that you can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time watching, make sure that you click the subscribe button and click that bell to get notified because we will have lots of content for you as spring training continues. Plus you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two Fs, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. There's no Fs in that. But Steve, we've been talking through spring training about some different statistics we like to use on the podcast. And honestly, defensive statistics are flawed. I know this, you know this, and you tell me this all the time. You really don't like to use statistics at all. When you look at defensive performances, however, I think the easiest one to understand and talk about is the outs
2: above average. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this Jeff, because I mean, you know, from our, uh, off air show preps behind the scenes, I argue with you about these defensive statistics all the time. And in my estimation, I have yet to find one that's better than the eye test. And a lot of people have tried. And, and as you say, there's always some kind of flaw that really just makes you not have a high confidence level in the statistic. But I do agree with you that if we've got to take one, if we have to have one, it's probably outs above average.
1: And it's something that I think that outs above average and the eye test married together, give you a better understanding of how a player is in the field. Now outs above average for its merit is calculated based on the probability a player will make a given play and then turn it into a round number so it makes it easy to understand. So what what this means is, you know, Statcast, you know, baseball savant, we love to talk about baseball savant. Statcast is a tool that they have and they can tell exactly the position a player begins on a given play and it'll tell the exact position that the player gets to the ball or doesn't. So with that, positive numbers are good, negative numbers are bad and zero is average this is not a you know replacement level it's just the average fielder is at zero
2: i wonder what was the reds uh defense last year were they, were they negative across the board for oh, the year it's funny you should ask steve
1: because the leader all right before i before i throw up the graphic i'll give you two guesses and you're not going to get it right but who led the reds and outs above average
2: last year last year Was it wasn't Tyler Motter? We know that. Uh, was it? I will say it was an outfielder and that it was Tommy Pham.
1: It was not Tommy Pham, but it is an outfielder.
2: Uh, Nick Senzo,
1: not him either. The leader in outs above average for the Reds last year. Albert Almora Jr., he had six outs above average, and make no mistake about it, the Reds defense was very bad last year, so that's why these numbers are very bad. Albert Almora with six, and he did that in 64 games, like not hardly at all. Then you had Donovan Solano with two outs above average. He had a three-way tie with Brandon Drury, Stuart Fairchild, and Aristides Aquino with one outs above average and then you get into zero where Nixon Zell is and a name that I don't think I would have uh won any money on saying that he would be on any list from last year Colin Moran had zero outs above average and somehow makes the top seven on our list today so you know shout out to (coughs) Colin Moran there but uh when it comes to outs above average it was not
2: kind for the Cincinnati Reds no, I never I never would have guessed Colin Moran. I, I, there's no way I would have ever arrived at that name. Uh, this is one thing I know for sure. In a couple of those instances, when you talk about pairing it with the eye test, uh, in the case of Almora Jr., yeah, that makes sense to me. If we lined up all of the Reds, once you said his name, once we, if we were to line up all of the outfielders from last year and, and watch film of them just playing the outfield, yeah, Albert Almora kind of stands out above the rest. So it makes sense to me that he's at the top of that list. So... I can see how those two things would work together to at least kind of give you a a confirmation on what it is you think you're seeing as far as defensive ability goes. And kind of also flowing with this, and this will be an interesting one
1: because outs above average was not kind to uh, Kyle Farmer. In fact, Kyle Farmer and Mike Moustakis both had the same outs above average (laughs) at negative two. (laughs) Now, Mike Moustakis didn't play that much, and if he'd have played more, maybe he would have had worse outs above average, but still, you don't want... We know how bad Moose was in the field. That was not good.
2: You are going to have so many people fired up in the comments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But also, I mean, and and, and that's one, too, where the eye test probably kind of argues it a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like Kyle Farmer seemed fine. I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. Kyle Farmer looked good, but Kyle Farmer looked fine. And for the Reds, I would have never
2: said that his his rating was the same as Mike Moustakis. I I no I would have never got there. No, that's I mean, Moose, I would have thought Moose was the worst, which, by the way, the
1: worst in outs above average for the Reds was a tie at minus nine. Joey
2: Votto and Jonathan India. I'm not going to tolerate any Joey Votto slander from you today. You already hate Jonathan India. You will not hate on Joey Votto. They were both hurt. I'm just saying. I I agree. That's fair. One thing's thing's for sure, Jeff. When we're talking about defensive statistics, you know, I think we can agree that they are all flawed. We know that. Uh, But they are. able to show us at least part of a picture and the easiest to understand and talk about is out above average so that's what we will be using throughout the course of the 2023 baseball season 100
1: and that is where we will wrap up this edition of the locked on reds podcast coming up tomorrow the outfield continues to remain a work in progress though some key players are emerging in john sadak Tells us who he likes. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast and right on YouTube, just like Lockdown Reds, because both of us are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Steve, we are moving right along through the spring training schedule. We are almost three weeks away from opening day.
2: It's getting ever so close. So what's that mean for you? and me? That means you and I are going to continue to be locked in on the statistics, on the waiver wire, on the rumors, on the games, and on the performances to report back and keep each and every one of our listeners and viewers locked on Reds every single day. I think I could make a negative nine outs above replacement. It's outs above average.
1: Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.